Welcome once again to another episode of YEGMS. This is episode number 39. I hope you're having a great summer. It's uh, We're coming up on holiday weekend time, whether you're in the U.S. or in Canada. In Canada, we have our Canada Day coming up on the 1st, and of course, the, our, our U.S. friends have uh, the 4th of July coming up. And uh, I'm getting pretty. I'm getting ready to head out to the cabin with my family. It it should be uh, should be a great time. Um, what I wanted to talk about on this episode is frame of mind and the power of positive thinking. And it's something that we've all heard a lot, I'm sure, uh, from different self help gurus. And I don't profess to be one. But there is truth to it. And how I got the, it's kind of interesting how I got the idea for this episode. So last week, uh, I had a meeting with um, my team that's helping me to put together the 2019 really long run to end MS, which is going to be roughly a 100 kilometer single day run from Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta to Devon, Alberta through the Edmonton River Valley. And to put on an event like that, I need a lot of help. I mean, these things don't happen uh, without the help of some really great people. And as we were talking, we were talking about, you know, media and getting on the radio. And and Mark, who has, has become a good friend of mine, he has a background in communications and he was saying, well, Sean, what we need to do is create a, your story and keep repeating that. And, and, and to be honest, the first time I did the really long run in 2015 and again in 2016, I didn't put together anything like that. And to be quite frank, I, didn't, I don't like talking. Man, it's ironic me saying this on a podcast that I created about multiple sclerosis, but I don't like talking about how MS affects me. I don't like talking about my symptoms. I don't like talking about um, my bad days. I don't. And really what, what, what Mark had said was people need to find a way to connect with you. And if they understand your story, um, you know, they might be more willing to get involved. And I have to say, I was a little bit resistant to the suggestion because I don't like, again, the irony of me saying this on this podcast, but it's true. I don't like talking about it. And specifically, I don't like talking about symptoms and I don't like talking about all that stuff. So I've been thinking for the past week about why that is. Why is it that I'm reluctant even though I talk about MS all the time, I have a podcast, I talk to other MSers, and, but why am I reluctant to talk about it? And I think it's, um, for me anyway, I think it's pretty clear why. It makes me feel like a patient. It makes me feel like somebody who's sick. 
It makes me feel like somebody who's weak. And as I'm saying this into this microphone, I have to admit it makes me feel a certain sense of failure. Because I always have to wonder, did my lifestyle and did poor choices lead to me developing multiple sclerosis? And what that's an offshoot of is I want to be able to control every aspect of my life. And I don't know if that's always realistic. For example, if you look at my choice of profession, for me, there's always an element of control. I control my schedule. I control what I do. I control who I talk to. And putting out those very intimate and internal feelings and admitting that I have, you know, a problem is very tough for me to do. Very difficult. I, you know, and I think that's why I, I wanted to do the long run in the first place. It was to prove not only to myself, but to other people that I'm no less of a person in spite of my MS than anyone else. Because for me, it was like, look, I can run for 10 hours without stopping. Can you? Am I really a sick person? And, um, and in a lot of ways, I think that was healthy in terms of uh, getting into better physical condition. But there's other aspects of it that what Mark was asking me about and asking me to do forced me to realize might not be the healthiest in terms of my own mental well-being. And as you can tell, it really put me on the spot. So anyway, I was really thinking about, okay, what is my story? And what, how do I want people to relate to me? And on this 11-year journey that I've been on, I was diagnosed about 11 years ago, the one thing that I've always come back to and force myself to, to really focus on is being positive. Finding ways to find positivity in every aspect of my life. As tough as it is sometimes. And I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, how in some ways I, I feel that MS was a blessing in disguise in, 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 in the sense that it sent me down a different path, a far less self-destructive path than I, the one that I was on. I mean, I don't know that if, if I wasn't diagnosed that I'd be married right now, that I'd have two wonderful kids right now. Because um, I was drifting and lost before that. And a lot of my decisions weren't, weren't great. 
So to Mark's point, here's my story. And then I'll tie that into uh, positive thinking and, 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 and my feelings around that. So for long-time listeners, you've already heard this. You may want to fast-forward uh, for new listeners. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's important that you hear this. You know, and, and everything I'm saying on this particular podcast is from my own personal perspective, and it's my feelings about what's happened to me. So this isn't something that relates to you or, or, or the larger MS community. These are my own personal opinions and feelings about myself and not about other people. So I need to make that clear right off the, right off the hop. Um, because I'm always very careful. I really don't ever want to offend anyone. Maybe that's my upbringing. Maybe that's just because I'm Canadian. I, that's not for me to say. But anyways, 11 in 2000, November 2006, Remembrance Day of all things, I was, I was used to be a partner in a, in a, in a franchised Italian restaurant here in Edmonton. And I was walking from the line in the kitchen to my office. And this cook I, had, I, I employed named Kent was following me, hounding me for a 50 cent an hour raise. And every time I talked to this guy, he wanted an extra 25 cents an hour. Then it's 50 cents an hour. Um, you gave him 25 cents, he wanted 50. He wanted, he want, and then you just knew it was going to escalate to a dollar to two dollars to four dollars and i not that 25 cents or 50 cents would make or break anything i mean uh it wasn't the case it was more of a case of performance but anyways he was hounding me for it and my entire right side went numb from my toe to the tip of my head my entire right side went numb and my initial thought was, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. And I had just turned 30 that October. So a month earlier, I turned 30. And not really sure what to do. Uh, my, but my parents actually lived about a five-minute drive from the restaurant. And thankfully, they were home. I explained to them what that was going on, and they took me to the hospital. I was hoping it was no big deal, but I realized quite quickly that it was a big deal because when we got to emergency, I didn't have to wait. They brought me right in, which reinforced my thought that I was having a stroke. Uh, they tested me for, you know, they tested my heart, da, da, da. they did all these tests on me. They weren't really sure what was going on, but the doctor on call there asked me, do you have any family history of MS? I had to answer yes, because I have a, a maternal aunt that has it as well. And then started, that started the investigation. So after MRIs and tests and stuff, Officially, I was officially diagnosed in May of 2007. And that first MS attack was pretty nasty. 
I lost control of my uh, right eye. I could see out of it, but it wouldn't track. So I had to wear an eye patch because it was really, really disorienting. Um, my balance was gone. You know, I uh, had trouble getting to the bathroom. And it, it was um, about as awful as an experience as, as I've ever had. And the symptoms lasted for... They, you know, coincidentally, they, uh, they start, really started to subside about the same time that I got the official diagnosis. And later in 2007, you know, I felt relatively, I got back to the point where I felt relatively normal. Other than, you know, numbness in my fingertips and, 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 and fatigue and, and sort of some of the more mild symptoms. And um, about two years later, both my feet went numb. Um, and which have, they've only started getting reasonably better in the last year and a half. Now, that's how MS started for me. You know, that's... And I do remember... The, the biggest emotion I remember from that time is, was anger. You know, that pity party. Why did this happen to me? Why doesn't this happen to other people? Why is my luck so bad? Um, but then something quite amazing happened. I, I made up my mind that I wasn't going to live as a career patient. And I sent an email to all my very close friends and family that basically read... I'm going to outlive you all, so don't you be worrying about me. And I do not want, every time I walk up to somebody and say hello, they do that little head tilt and go, oh, how you doing? I don't want to live like that. And then that started me on a process where I, um, worked very, very hard to hide my symptoms. And as I said to Mark when we were, we were talking, I've gotten so good at hiding my symptoms that I feel like I'd probably be in the top 10 in the world as being able to hide their MS. Because um, most people that meet me now are shocked to find out that I have it. But even my mom who was sitting at the table, she says, well, how do you hide it? And one of the things that's, that's been progressing, I guess, in the best way to put it is over the last couple of years is I've started to stutter more, which drives me bananas. Um, I work in sales. I have to present to clients and you can't be stuttering through presentations. So what I've learned, I've taught myself to do is I pause a lot. The reason why is I can see it just happened right there. 
um, I can feel it come on. And so I just stop and I'll just go for a long pause until I kind of find myself or what I'm doing a lot of the times is trying to find a different word that r- roughly means I try and find a cinema cinema synonym. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to edit it out because it just it goes to what I uh, what I'm talking about. But I try and find a word that means the same thing or a phrase that means the same thing. so that I don't have to stutter, but I know what's going on. Um, you know, as far as my numbness in my feet, it's, you wouldn't really notice, no, no one would notice that. Um, you know, but the one thing that it, where it affects me the most is, you know, because I'm probably speaking to mostly people with MS right now, and this is something you'll be very aware of, of is um, fatigue. It's something that I, you know, go through probably not quite once a week where I have a day where I just don't wake up. Like I wake up, but I never really wake up. And I just feel lethargic and kind of dopey and, um, and I just can't process at, at a level that I would like to. Which it makes it difficult at home, especially, you know, you get up in the morning at 7 in the morning and you've got a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old both trying to talk to you at the same time and, and, and your wife's trying to talk to you. And, and because I don't want to admit that anything's wrong, I just try and push through it. Where I'm growing and where I'm realizing it's better just to let people know, like, look, I need a minute. I'm not quite there. I just can't quite be there. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating and it's not something I like talking about because I'd rather say, no, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. I can do anything you can do because um, I want to believe I can do anything. I don't necessarily know that I believe that, but I want to believe that. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my story, you know, uh, as far as other symptoms. I mean, I have a constant numbness that runs down my right arm right into my right, right pinky that never goes away. Uh, I have a spot on my left hand, on my index finger on my left hand, where it's just a complete, I would call it a dead spot. I just can't feel anything. Like I can touch it with my thumb. And you, I can feel it from my thumb side, but I can't feel it from my finger side. And it's kind of a weird sensation. Um, and, the, you know, the, the problems with balance sometimes. I'm really careful when I, when I run stairs, especially running downstairs, because my balance just isn't what it was. Um, but as I've mentioned, I've, learned, I've taught myself ways to cope. But it should be coping and not hiding. And mine was more about trying to hide. And what Mark was asking me is forced me to realize I can't, I can't hide. And it is, it is, say la vie, right? It is what it is. It, it's, um,
Yeah, I've got myself depressed even talking about it. And this, is, <laughs> and this is supposed to be an episode about the power of positive thinking. But now we're going to start talking about positive thinking. And what that means to the course of, what it's meant to me in the course of my disease. And I was reading, I found an article online that I really liked uh, yesterday that I'll share in the companion notes on ownmultiplesclerosis.com, the companion notes to this podcast. And it's about a 39-year-old MS warrior in Swansea, I think it's Swansea, Massachusetts. If I pronounce Swansea wrong, I, I apologize to the people from that area. But this guy's a bodybuilder. He's 39 years old. And he refers to his MS as a blessed little curse. And the biggest thing I liked and the biggest takeaway, and I, I encourage you to read the article for yourself. But the biggest part I took away from that article, and it's something that is how I feel. This guy keeps telling himself, nope, I'm not going to quit. And I think, right on. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you have to be. I mean, if, you're, if you've decided there's nothing you can do to help yourself with your MS, then guess what? Nothing you can do. And that, that doesn't mean because there's honestly nothing you can do. That just means that if you don't believe it, there's nothing you can do. You have to believe that you can push through. You have to believe you can do this stuff. You have to believe you can get out of your chair. You have to believe that you can still have an awesome life in spite of the fact you have a chronic condition. And when I read stories about a guy like Jim Nolan, that's the, I should have mentioned his name, uh, from Swansea, Massachusetts, I think, right on, I'm, you know, there's another one. Just out there killing it, lifting weights. The story mentions that he has a six-year-old daughter. And that it, people like that inspire me. And I, I think they should inspire you too. I mean, what's your story? I just told you mine. What's yours? I'd love to hear from you. You know, email me, sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. You can tweet at me at at ownms.com1. You can find The Really Long Run on Facebook. You can find Own Multiple Sclerosis on Facebook. You can visit ownmultiplesclerosis.com. If you want to donate to The Really Long Run to NMS, you can go to reallylongruntoendms.ca. We haven't raised a lot of money yet. I think I'm the only one who's donated, but I mean, the, the run's a year away and we're just, it's in its infancy right now. Um, but what's your story? Are you comfortable talking about it? Are you hiding it? On the flip side, are you overdoing it? Are, are, are you looking for the pity party? I mean, where, where are you at mentally? 
So I was running yesterday as I was thinking about this episode. And over the last year and a half, I've really been going through, like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I'm 41 years old, so odds are pretty good. I'm almost exactly at the halfway point, which has been driving me bananas. I have friends that are pushing 50. And I don't know when I got old, but it's happened. You know, you kind of get into your early 30s, you're like, yeah, 20 was, my 20s weren't that long ago. You still think you got the, you know, the world on a hook and you can do whatever you want. And then you get to your mid-30s and you can keep telling yourself, ah, you know, 29 wasn't that long ago. And then all of a sudden you're 41 and you think, <laughs> Oh boy, because now I'm starting to think, well, I'm the age my dad was when he did this. I'm the age my dad was when he did that. And when I think back to my dad at 41, he seems older to me than I seem to myself now. But it's just perspective, right? It's not, you know, that he was older or he looked older or anything. You know, because I'm really coming to the grips with, with the fact that your brain stops developing at 25. So in your head, you're constantly a 25-year-old. So whatever you're, you know, however you felt at 25, that's kind of how you're going to be. You know, whatever music you were sort of, you know, brought up on, to you, that's going to be, that's, that's music. And anything else that's coming, and I'm starting to be that cranky old man with like, you know, you listen to some of the kids' music, and you think, what the hell is that? Well, that's what they're into now. And you're old. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent there. But yeah, I was running yesterday, and I have a, a course that I, I do through part of the River Rally here in Edmonton. And it's about eight kilometers and a thousand stairs. And I'll, I'll put a picture of the stairs on the Own Multiple Sclerosis uh, website in the companion notes so you can see them. And there's actually three sets of stairs over this route, and I basically run it end-to-end -end five times, and it works out to be about 8K and 1,000 stairs. And it takes me like 45 minutes to an hour to do. And just to put it in perspective, I mean, a normal 5K takes me 25 minutes on a relatively flat. So just to give you an idea that, you know, the elevation change because of the stairs and that. Anyway, as I was running, I was thinking, you know, what would I, what makes me feel the best? And it just dawned on me as I'm running, it's running. I really enjoy getting out and going for a run and running for, you know, an hour or two at a time. And what I find that does for me it relieves anxiety because, I mean, I can get all worked up about my career or home life or anything, you know, other things. 20 minutes on the trail, that just starts to melt away. My worries start to melt away. And then the amaz most amazing thing happens. As you're running, you start getting filled with all these chemicals that your body naturally produces. You know, it's the, those chemicals that create what they call the runner's high. And all of a sudden, you're, you've got all this positive, 
all these positive emotions and these positive thoughts running through your head. And instead of the, the world feeling very small and constrictive and, oh my God, what's going to happen? It starts to open up. Your perspective starts to open up. And you start to feel good about your world and your life and your place in it. And Anyway, that's how it works for me. So now, you know, what I want to do, it's really too bad. <laughs> it's really too bad that I can't somehow find a way to make my career raising money for MS research as a career. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you know, some people you meet, they get to do stuff for a living that they really enjoy doing, and they get paid for it. Unfortunately, none of the stuff that I enjoy doing is a job you can apply for or a business that you can start. Now, I'm pretty lucky I'm in a position where my my job allows me to you know, organize things like the really long run, do a podcast, do a website, and so, I mean, it, it could be, it could be worse, right? And again, positive thinking, you know, I don't have it that bad, but I was just thinking to myself, man, it would be amazing if my whole life, outside of my family life, of course, revolved around planning these massive runs um, to raise money. You know, I got, I got asked just yesterday, do you actually enjoy it when you run for not two hours, but like when, when I do an ultra, like say, say I ran for eight or nine hours. And I was asked, do you enjoy it? Well, It's not a, that's not a question with a straight answer. Because obviously when you, when you take on something that, you know, where you're going to just beat your body completely down and there are parts of that day where you really just have to gut it out because, it's, you know, at times it's painful. Um, you know, you got to deal with weather. You got to deal with how you're fueling yourself, hydration, there's just a, there's a, there's a multitude of factors. So I, are there times while I'm running for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours where it isn't fun? Well, yeah, there's times where it's downright awful. However, the question wasn't, you know, are there times when it's, it's, it's not well, it's, it, the question was, do you enjoy it? And I would say overall, not only do I enjoy it, I look forward to it. And for me, it's the challenge. I want to challenge myself to do something that other people think is impossible. You know, for example, when I, you know, the first two really long runs were, you know, distances of about 80K. So this one's going to be, the next one's going to be 100, roughly. When I mention those distances to people, 
I often get, a, you know, <laughs> uh, the responses are mixed, but they, the, but thematically they're similar in the sense that it's either, you know, one of the common responses is you're going to run more in a day than I've written, uh, uh, you're going to run more in a day than I've run in my entire life. That's one. Another is just kind of a light smile. They look at me, they kind of crimp up their eyes and they go, oh yeah, because they don't believe I, they don't believe it. And when I can tell that, I'm like, you can look it up. Just look, look me up online. You can find it. It's this, these things did happen. They did take place. Because I mean, and in fairness to people that give me that look, I mean, I don't look like a ultra distance runner. Um, I've made strides in the last eight or nine months to, to lean down. So, uh, and I'm still working that way. I mean, as I've been talking about on the podcast, I mean, with the ketogenic diet and, uh, and the different things that I've been doing diet wise that have really, really paid off. But yeah, for me, it's the challenge to do something I never thought I could do. And it's, um, and the sense of accomplishment after finishing is indescribable. Which I guess kind of much brings me to the whole point of this, this episode. You have to believe you can move forward. You have to wait, find a way to get those positive thoughts in your head and follow. Believe me, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Now, I understand that there are different degrees of MS. Mine's relapsing remitting, which is... I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but if you're going to get MS, it's the it's the better one to have, I would I would think. And then you get into the you know the different levels of progressive MS. I can't speak to progressive MS because I haven't hit that stage. But I would still I would still believe. And if I do hit those stages, I hope I still believe there are things that I can do for myself to make it better. Can I cure it? No. Can I cure my relapsing remitting MS? No. Can I make it better for myself? Absolutely. And I, and I strongly believe that I have. Um, by just taking a measured approach and being positive and, and ultimately at the end of the day believing in myself and my and my ability um, to push things forward. So running may not be your thing, but there's got to be things in your life that make you feel good, positive things in your life that make you feel good. And if you can somehow leverage those to focus some positive energy on moving forward, but you have to believe you can do it.
You just, you have to believe you can do it. And that's one thing that's unwavering about myself. Is rightly or wrongly, I've, I've convinced myself I can, I can do it. So, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get Mark to listen to this one because I wonder if this is enough of my story or what he was looking for. Um, I don't know. That's kind of me, and that's kind of where, where, where I've been at in, in, in a nutshell. On a completely unrelated note, to close out this episode, to close out episode number 39 of YEGMS, uh, I was sent an email recently, and I was asked about my personal relief beliefs outside of multiple sclerosis. And I don't talk about, there's two topics I've decided in life that I never bring up. And I used to talk about this stuff freely, but I've found that um, the outcomes are never good. And that's religion and politics. So, in keeping with my personal philosophy, I won't talk about that stuff on this podcast. There is enough, there are enough talking heads in the world talking about it that I, I, I don't feel that I'm either A, informed enough to add to the conversation, or B, have, I, I don't have the desire. What I will say is this. I believe that everybody has what I call a bucket of crazy. And in that bucket are those two topics. The problem with it is I have no idea what's in my bucket that's going to offend somebody. And conversely, the person I'm talking to doesn't know what they're, what's in their bucket that's going to offend me. Because so much of that is dependent upon where you were born, the culture you were born into, how you were socialized, your age, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line. So I just decide I'm going to leave that stuff in my bucket, my bucket of crazy, and I think, you know, we'd all be better served if we all kept it to our, you know, um, to ourselves, because nothing, it always just turns up turning into just a big slap fight of people trying to shout each other down to make sure that... Uh, because they want the, their perception of the world to be everyone else's perception. And I don't know how realistic that is. So that's why I, don't, I never address it. I never talk about those, those, those things on, on this podcast, and uh, I never will. Um, and the other thing is because 
this 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 podcast seems to be get gets listened to all over the world. I can't possibly relate to people in countries I don't live in. I don't understand. I don't know what the local climate is in regards to those things. So I just find it best not to talk about it. Because at the end of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of the the, the larger multiple scler multiple sclerosis community, and as a group. Um, I'm sure we all want the same thing to find a way to beat this terrible disease and, and, you know, live wonderful lives. So, uh, I don't see how that other stuff relates. Um, that's probably, <clears throat> that's probably a very wishy-washy way to, uh, to address it, but, um, yeah, if you're if you're looking for uh, commentary of that, that sort, you're not going to find it here, and uh, that's about as uh, much as I will say about it. Uh, other stuff, whether you are in Canada or in the U.S. listening to this, I hope you have an awesome uh, long weekend, and uh, I know we're planning on having some fireworks out at the cabin. It's my my son is super excited. Uh, I think my buddy, I think what we're going to do is my buddy Dustin, I believe, uh, based on his tech me text messages from yesterday, has built a raft that we're going to take out uh, probably about uh, 50 meters from the shore. And we're going to set that up and, and launch the firecrackers from it or the fireworks from it. I, uh, uh, my hope is that I, you know, get back to work on Tuesday with all my fingers. Um, but yeah, it should be a great weekend. So I hope you have a great weekend as always. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to be part of the show, you can email me at Sean S E A N at own multiple sclerosis.com. That's O W N multiple sclerosis.com. And that's all one word. You can follow me, tweet at me on Twitter at at ownms.com one that's o w n m s d o t and then the number one as mentioned before the companion notes for this where if you want the link to that news article i was talking about uh, you can go to ownmultiplesclerosis.com uh, you'll find the the episode you can click on that and then uh, i'll have the show notes and links and stuff in there and yeah you can always visit ownmultiplesclerosis.com and um as always, this will be available on MSNME Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and uh, tuned in. That's it for me for this episode. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.